Hello, my name's Dan Hughes from the Sporadically Bored podcast and also occasionally the Dice Tower and you're listening to Board Game Mechanics. Whenever my board game breaks down, Joel and Jason are the guys I like to call. Hey everybody, it's Joel. I am with, as always... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. We are the Board Game Mechanics, the unofficial board gaming podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> uh, haven't said that one in a while, but hey, I felt like we needed to drop that one in. Yeah, uh, they seem to be doing pretty awesome and playing the Penguins today, so that's exciting. Yeah, they're down by a goal as we record, but hopefully as we're recording, the boys will score you know, a couple goals and get us up. Anyway, yeah, we, <laughs> this is silly, but we really are Blue Jacket fans in addition to, you know, everything else. Um, did you happen to run a poll this week, Jason, by any chance? I did. I was trying to figure out uh, whatever, if people liked Euro games or Amerithrash games better. And yes, I said Amerithrash in the poll. Yes. So what won? Well, as of right now, there's still about four days left, but Euro is creaming it. Like, not even close. It's like 83 to 12. 83% to 12% or something like that. Do you want to know why? Uh, because Euro games are awesome. Ameritrash games were like, hey, it's 1985. Hero Quest came out. Dungeons and Dragons is out. You know what? I think we're done. This We accomplished games. <laughs> like, we're not going to innovate anything new. We're just going to keep throwing new themes on this same thing over and over and over again. And I know that's probably a hot take, but man, I don't feel like anything new in Ameritrash has come out in a long time. Whereas Euro games, you look at those from five years ago, and they feel distinctly different than what's out right now because everything's just brand new and innovative all the time with the Euro stuff. So I don't know. I, I certainly am not super surprised. By the pool, I like Ameritrash games perfectly fine, but they just there's nothing new and inventive happening there, in my opinion. So not like there's with Euros. So it's not a big surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't play any Ameritrash games at all. So, and as much as we talk about Euro games on this podcast, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not super surprised either. But I didn't think it would be that big of a split, which was kind of interesting. So. Like, the lines are definitely blurring, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of hybrid games out there. So, you know, Euro games with nice, thick themes and Ameritrash games that have, you know, dense card play and puzzles to solve. So, I don't know. I, it's fine. Um, whatever you like, man. I'm just glad that you guys are listening. So, whatever. Yep, I'm with you. Okay, so unlike last week, I did decide to actually look up some news. Well, at least one thing of news this week. So at least I have something to talk about. So I'm going to get started with that one. And the game is called Coloma. I think that's how you say it. And it's by Final Frontier Games. They're the company that did uh, Rise to Nobility, the new Robin Hood and the Merry Men. It kind of looks like that with the artwork and stuff. I think it's the same guy. The Miko, I think, does the artwork. Uh, it's on Kickstarter with 12 more days to go. So what you're doing on this game is it's a simultaneous action selection with some resource management and some engine building. You're trying to build up the biggest city and have the most gold in the town without going bust. So it's during the time when the gold rush happened. Everybody's moving out to this city because I guess this city was the first city of the gold rush. And everyone's trying to get more gold, have a better city than everybody else. So if you're into that game, that type of game and you really like how Final Frontier does their production, I'd say check it out. So... 
by the time this recording drops, there'll be 12 days left. So go check it out. It looks kind of interesting. I mean, like I, uh, Rise to Nobility is a fun enough game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I haven't looked at this one yet, but I think I might check it out. So that's all I have. I don't know if you have anything that you would like to talk about. But. I didn't know if Quirky Circuits counted for me or not, because I did see that one, but I didn't know if you were super excited about it, too, because I, I don't know how you could not be super excited about it, Jason. <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of excited. The premise is hilarious, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically, uh, Asmodee has a game coming out called Quirky Circuits, where you play as a cat on a Roomba, which is kind of awesome. And it's a programming <laughs> game. It's from the Stuff Fables guy. Um, I think it's I think it's just kind of a fun family weight, silly game. Looks kind of fun. Um, I, I don't know. I think Quirky Circuits looks like it's worth looking at. Um, we'll we'll figure out when the when the date is uh, for it to come out, and we'll pass it on again. But it just looks silly. I think it's one that. I'd be happy to play just because it's different, you know? I mean, cat riding on a Roomba, like, I don't know. <laughs> right. That's that, a different theme, you know? That is pretty funny. Yeah, I'm with you. That's that's it, Jason. Let's get to the fun stuff. All right. So I'm going to talk about a game because we're in the games played section. And the game I'm going to talk about is called Viceroy. It's from Mayday Games, I think, and Hobby World because it, I believe it was Russian first. And what you're doing in this game is you are building this pyramid of power. So you're drafting these cards and you're going to start on the bottom row of the pyramid. And as, as you're taking these cards, you're going to want to make them go up to up the pyramid to a, t- a higher level because it's going to give you better things. But the tricky thing that you're doing is you're using these little colored tokens to bid for these cards. But these tokens are also used to pay for the card to put it in your pyramid. So it's kind of like this delicate balance of, well, I need this card that's yellow, but I can't spend yellow to get this card because I need to have this yellow token to pay to play this card. So kind of cool little give and take. It's really quick. It's a fun little card game. So if you like interesting card games with some decent strategy, I say check this check this out, and that is Viceroy. Uh, I've seen this one around. I haven't played it, and um, I don't know. If I had to guess if anybody that I knew had played it, it would be you probably. Um, so what do you think? What does it get on a scale of like one to 10? Where do you put it at? Uh, six and a half, maybe. I mean, I don't want to play it all the time, but if someone wants to play it, I'll play it. Well, that's cool, man. Um, I played the NHL power play deck building game, um, which is, uh, like same kind of mechanic that, um, all those, all those games have, uh, like the DC deck builders and all those have the same mechanics in them. Um, but I played this with Yarmo, uh, Yarmo over there, the general manager for the Columbus Blue Jackets. We played this. Uh, we sat down and played it like last Wednesday, and he thought it was kind of cool how you can just trade players around and build a deck <laughs> to make a team. And so he he decided that he was going to build the Columbus Blue Jackets like a deck builder. So that's a joke that maybe nobody got, but the NHL is something I love. I think Jason at least likes it. And man, the Columbus Blue Jackets made a ton of trades this week, um, which has got me kind of jazzed to watch the rest of the season. But for real, the NHL deck building game is kind of awesome. Um, you basically are drafting players to put into your deck, and then you get more power to take shots on goal. And you want to try and defeat these goalies who have a certain power um, to like block things. But the thing where this gets a little different than the other um, deck building games in this in all these series, I think it's WizKids that put out all these deck building games, right? Or uh, no, 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 Cryptozoic. Yeah, Cryptozoic. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Cryptozoic deck builders, like 
the thing that's a twist on the Cryptozoic deck builder thing on this one is you can play cards from your hand when someone takes a shot on goal, like put defenseman cards out to like increase the power of the goalie. So like you kind of have to like the goalie's power might be like a seven. Well, you need to have like at least like 10 or 11 power in your hand because you want to, if they drop a defenseman, be able to power it up again and make the goal. So um, you play like, you know, however many goalies you want to play, you can play seven goalies. So first person to get, you know, four goalie cards wins or however you want to do it. But it's a pretty fun little game. You have a little player power. You keep adding cards to your to your uh, deck and power up over the course of the game and, and have a lot of fun with it. And actually, um, a pretty awesome game. Like, I don't know of many sports board games that are actually good, and this one is. So that was the NHL. I think it's called NHL Power Play Deck Building Game. Yeah, that's cool. Can you uh, give people icing or, like, uh, offsides and stuff? Yes. So there's some crazy players in there. Like, there's some real dirty players that, like, are super powerful, but every time you play them, you have to take, like, a penalty. <laughs> like, so, and penalty, you get tons of penalties in your hands, like, over the course of the game for, like, cheap shots and stuff, and they just basically take up room in your deck, That's and fun. then they give you negative points at the end of the game. So, like, <laughs> it's like a curse or whatever, but, yeah, it's it's pretty fun game, man, honestly, and I don't, I think they made this one for, like, one NHL season, and then it never came out again. So, like, it's starting to be a little dated. Like, some of the players in there are getting kind of old or not around anymore. Um, and there's literally, like, one Columbus Blue Jacket player who's really, like, weak and bad. So, I don't like that. But um, other than that, it's a pretty fun little game. And I don't know, man. It's just you're not going to see it around a lot. So, I'm kind of hanging on to my copy forever. It'd be pretty hard to get this one from me. Yeah, that's cool. I saw this at Half Price Books one time, and it seemed interesting. So, maybe I'll have to see if they have it again. Yeah, if they got it, man, I would grab it. Like, honestly, it's an awesome game. Cool. Uh, okay, so let's get to our top 10 list, Jason. My number one, I'm going to go in reverse order for what we normally do, is the NHL Power Play <laughs> building game. So, deck building game. That would be such anticlimactic number one. <laughs> um, It's not actually that game. Just a heads up. I was just lying like a liar. Uh, all all right. right. Well, cool, man. That's what I played. All right, so now, after nine weeks of 100 games, we are going to finish strong. I seriously was like trying to remember what our show was like before we were doing this, and I don't remember us doing anything but this at this point. Like Honestly, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember how we did other shows, so I guess we're reinventing ourselves just by the fact that I don't remember. I don't remember what podcast <laughs> words are anymore, so... I, yeah. Well, after this, we're going to do the top 100 Uwe Rosenberg games. Oh, that's good. Um, and then, clearly Bonanza is number one. But <laughs> yeah. And then the top 100 Donald X Vaccarino games. Oh, that's huh. <laughs> or it's maybe tricky. Top one. <laughs> Kingdom Builder, duh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Well, let's get started. My number 10. I'm going to jump right into it. Do it. My number 10 is a game by the Italian designers that are really like rocking my world right now. Um, I'm not sure which group it is, but it's two of them and they're awesome. And the game is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Wow. Yeah, I really enjoy this game. The more I play it, the more I like it. Um, so what this game is, if you guys don't know what you should, because we've talked about it before. This is a, essentially a dice placement game, but instead of actually placing dice, you're placing these little pillars that represent the dice, and you're going to these little towers to take cards to run your military and run your agriculture, 
You're trying to collect um, nobles that are going to be victory points at the end. You're trying to collect visitors, which are going to give you special powers throughout the game. You're going to also try to make sure that you have enough, I don't know, I don't want to say tithes, but like a tithe to give to the church every two rounds or they're going to come and slap you around. So it's just one of those games where there's a lot of stuff going on and you need to always, you know, try to maximize what you can do with minimal turns. So I dig that. And this is one of my favorite games like this. And my number 10, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Number 65 for me, Jason, but I almost guarantee it'll be higher next year because I own this one now. And it's because I've been thinking more and more about it. Um, I don't know. It is a good game. And I traded away for it. So a loophole, not one of my 10 games for the year, but now I own it. So looking forward to playing this one more and uh, it'll move up from 65. I'm nearly certain. So yeah. Very cool. Well, I guess you probably want my number 10 game. Uh, my number 10 game is Viticulture. So I think you had this one pretty close to 10, like maybe 12 or so. Um, this is with Tuscany. Um, for me, I, I really like it. It's got so many interesting modules you can play, a lot of repeat play that can happen. Um, it does have some luck in there with those card draws and things. Um, someone someone mentioned on our Facebook page that they had a really bad draw where they were only able to get two value vines i mean even then though you could stack your vines up and make a couple decent vines at least or go do other things other than the vines so there's ways to mitigate that um but i think you know if you play a game that's just pure math and spreadsheets that's not a ton of fun to me i want to have some chance i want to have some luck in there and this game has just enough of that to make me happy um but anyway viticulture um it's my one of my favorite wine games um (laughs) one of them for sure uh so Yeah, number 10, Viticulture, a good family weight wine game for sure. Oh, yeah, totally agree. Great game. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that more because we both talked about it, and it's great. All right, my number nine, the Italian designers are back once again, and it is Grand Austria Hotel. Wow. Yeah, I mostly because I play this with Katie a ton. and Beat Lorenzo. Yeah, I've played it more. I think I may like it a little more. Um, so what this game is, it's a dice drafting game. You're going to roll some dice. You're going to draft dice based on the number of the die and how many of the available dice there are is how strong the action you get to take. So if you want to open up some rooms, you got to take a certain number of dice, but however many dice are there is how many rooms you can open. You have to pay money wherever you want to build them in your hotel, either on the first, second or third floor. Um, this game is super punishing because you get two actions per turn or per round and i think it takes place over six rounds so you're doing 12 things and it's definitely not enough to do everything you want to do and just like lorenzo these are the same guys there's an emperor who comes around and he wants you to do special things or he'll slap you around so you always have to look out for the emperor while trying to open rooms trying to get guests in your rooms getting food and drinks for the guests to eat and drink it's crazy i love this game play it with katie a ton so my number nine grand austria hotel are there any weirdo guests that want coffee and wine both in this game? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't. Maybe. I don't know. Actually, that's a weird, weird person. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, this game to me, like when I play it, I like it, um, and it definitely made my list. But it's like it started off as being a real light. Hey, just collect these cubes and fulfill these orders on these cards by drafting die. And then you're like, well, yeah, let's add a little more to it. Let's let's add a hotel room thing to it. And they're like, yeah, it's it's almost there. But now let's put like an interesting set collection thing where you're trying to maximize your points by you know getting rooms filled up and you know like certain cloisters and stuff. So I mean, like or clusters, I guess is probably a better word. But um, 
I don't know. It's it all works together pretty well. It's just got so many layers of stuff that you can't ignore any of them either. So um, my brain doesn't work very well that way, but I still enjoy the game a lot, and I'll just never be good at it. Um, a game that I'm not good at also, but I like at number nine is Vinos. Um, really like this game as well. Um, I like the 2012 version. I had the 2016 Deluxe Edition, but I only play on the 2012 side of the board pretty well. Um, I might occasionally play on the 2016 side, but if I'm going to play a lighter wine game, I'm probably just going to bring out number 10, Viticulture. So um, Vinos, really good game. Really enjoy it. You're, you're buying vineyards and cellars, trying to set up a little you know, wine production area, but then trying to sell them to an international market, get them ready to take to a wine fair, just produce high quality wine. Um, and it's, it's a different game really than Viticulture. They really don't even have the same theme. Um, very differently mechanically, very different weights. Vinyas is a much heavier game. Um, but like Vinyas is really more about making artisan wine and selling it to like bougie people. Whereas like Viticulture is just like, Hey man, if you can make a ton of Boone's Farm, you're gonna have a chance to win this game. Even so, um, I don't know. It's a very different game, but I like it just a touch better than Viticulture. It was hard to figure out which one I liked better, but I do think I like Vinos better. Yeah, I agree. Vinos is a really good game, and my number eight is a, my highest entry from Stefan Feld. This I'm positive of because I've just looked. Uh, number eight is Merlin for me. It's Feld and Michael Rainick. Um, what this game is, is it's essentially a rondel game. You're um, rolling dice. You're spending these dice to move your knight around the board clockwise or maybe counterclockwise if you have a certain like special little piece. And you also have a die that can move Merlin, which he can go counterclockwise or clockwise. You're going to go on these spaces to collect uh, cubes to build, to get cards to fulfill contracts. You're trying to get special flags, special um, um, little shields so you can defend the bad guys. Uh, it's essentially a roll and move game, but the way you do it is more interesting. And I've also played with the Arthur expansion, which jazzes it up a little bit and makes it have even more going on. So it's even heavier than it originally was. So maybe if I would have played that before I did this list, it might be a little higher. So my number eight, Merlin. Ha. Huh. Uh, I knew you liked it, but I didn't know. I mean, I guess I knew it hadn't been mentioned yet. And I guess I didn't, just didn't do that math that it was going to be this high. But that's cool, man. I'm really glad you liked this one that much. Um, this was like an Origins release last year pretty well, in the States at least, right? Yep. As soon as I walked in, I snatched this bad boy up. Yeah, I I knew you did. I was like, oh, Jason's got – he smells the blood. The shark's <laughs> going for it. Yep. <laughs> Jason, you're going to have to make a little room in your top 10 because I know for a fact you're going to own this game soon and you're going to love this game soon. And that game is Concordia. Um, it's my number eight. It's just such a good game. Um, I'll just give a couple of reasons why. Um, the game takes five minutes to explain practically. I mean, like you're going through like this stack of cards and saying, here's what this card does. 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 And on your turn, play one of those cards and do what it says. And then... And then you pick the cards back up and you do it all over again. And you add more cards to your hand throughout the course of the game. But you're trying to create influence all throughout, you know, the Mediterranean. And um, it's it's uh, Matt Gertz. It's kind of his thing that he does. I mean, he does this whole you're, you're managing a hand of cards um, and doing what it says to do the actions on them uh, in order to make your, your table presence better. This one does it, I think, a little better than his newer game, Transatlantic, because Transatlantic, I feel like the ship market and stuff is boring. Um, 
yeah, it doesn't have a spatial element to it, interaction kind of thing. Um, there's just some cool things in Concordia that Transatlantic doesn't do. I like Transatlantic's theme kind of a lot, though. Um, but yeah, Concordia, it does that card dropping selection, uh, like hand management kind of thing for your actions better than any other game that I know of. Um, and I really enjoy it. Concordia. And I think you're really going to like it too, Jason. Yeah. I, I want to play it for sure. So I'm pretty pumped to get a play it here shortly. All right. My number seven, the reason I didn't talk a ton about your number nine is because it's my number seven. I figured. And that is Vinos. Not even my highest Vital game spoiler, but I do love this game. It is incredible. Um, no one ever wants to play it with me but I'll make that change eventually. So yeah, like you said, it's a winemaking game, but it's way more intricate than viticulture. Uh, The way you're making the wine is more in-depth. Sending it out to the wine show to get it judged is not even in the other game. Uh, I'm trying to juggle the few few actions that you can do each round in normal Vital style is really what makes this game shine. So my number seven, Vinos. Jason. How many more Vidal Asserta games do you have on your list yet? We're going to whisper. I have two more. Same. Same season. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, my number seven <laughs> is uh, Voyages of Marco Polo. Um, I won't talk much about this one because I might have a chance to talk about it here in a little bit, I think. So number seven, Voyages of Marco Polo. Yeah, it may show up in a little bit. Uh, my number six. What number are we on? Uh, seven. Six. Six. Wait, did it? Yeah, six. My number six is a game you've already talked about, and it might have been on last week's list, but it is Orléans. Ooh. Yeah, I absolutely adore this game. Uh, I have it with the Intrigue expansion, Trade and Intrigue, which I'm going to burn Intrigue because that's terrible. But the Trade section is amazing. It just jazzes up some boards, give you some... Um, special expansions where you have some stuff you can deliver, like you mentioned previously. Um, the reason I love this game is you're pulling these people out of a bag, you're putting them on the board to take certain actions, like maybe go to the university and build up your smarts or send your sailors out to um, travel around the map or send uh, some of your knights out to travel around the roads on the map. You're trying to collect these little resource t- cubes to ensure you can have stuff to pay taxes that are worth points at the end of the game. You're trying to just move as far up as you can on all the tracks, and I love that in games. If a game is nothing but 12 tracks and that's all I could do, I would love it. That's like my favorite thing ever. So, Orleans has tons of tracks, cool bag building. I like it. My number six. Last week, I need to listen more carefully to when you describe games. Like I start thinking about what I'm going to say sometimes while you're talking. It's I'm going to admit that. But last week you mentioned Nobles, and I should have jumped all over it. Um, <laughs> but to make a game Jason likes, include Nobles and no conflict. And so the intrigue thing um, makes conflict. So yep. that's why it will be burnt in the barbecue this summer. Yep, um, for sure. Along with every other game without Nobles. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't have to get rid of like three of them out of my collection, I think. That's pretty good. Uh <laughs> The captain is dead, and uh, <laughs> I, wait, that what? I already traded that yeah. away, man. Oh, oh, good work. You got um, rise to nobility out of that one, I would assume. <laughs> no, I don't remember what I got actually, but it was actually a game with no nobles, which is surprising. Oh, dude. Uh, even then, like I figured out a way how to retheme Bonanza to have nobles for you. So. <laughs> 
That'll be good. Um, my number six, though, getting back to being serious, I guess. Uh, ser- uh, we're a very serious podcast, so let's get back to being serious. Um, man, this is awesome. Our finale is the dumbest episode we've ever had. All right. Um, number six, Airlines Europe for me. Um, and this one, man, I really like the variant of Union Pacific that I played that I kind of talked a little bit about um, before. This Airlines Europe is just such a good game, and it's just it's, – it's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it other than you're basically building you're building routes between different cities across Europe with airplanes. But then when you do that, it increases the value of a company. And when you make an investment into a company, you're also able to take a share from a common market. And then you can cash those shares out or kind of like declare those shares or I don't know how you want to say it thematically to get more cash so you can buy more airplanes. And it's just like circular thing that you want to do. It's got the standard Alan Moon thing of you pick one of like three or four actions on your turn and that's your turn. Like you get to pick one thing to do as your action and all the actions just kind of work together. So a lot of people call this ticket to acquire because it's like ticket to ride and acquire kind of together. But I really love economic games and this one's really good. Um, It's my favorite one. So number six, Airlines Europe. Yeah, this does seem kind of interesting. It just seems super light. That's why I've always been hesitant, but someday. It's not heavy. My number five, VTOL is back again with a car theme game called Kanban. Huh. Yeah, I just played this not too long ago again. I introduced um, Katie and three, two other people to it, so we played a full four-player game. And man, this game is awesome. Uh, what you're doing is you're trying to collect car parts and blueprints to make these cars, test out the cars, um, drive them around the test track, and then put them in your garage to score points. Uh, you're doing that over a couple meetings, which is like years or something, or weeks. And eventually this little girl named Sandra will come around and she's going to inspect your area. And if you don't meet a certain threshold, she's going to slap you around. Uh, it's normal VTAL stuff. You go to a place and it triggers a whole bunch of other things that you have to do. Everything's interconnected. So if you slack, slack off on one thing, it's going to mess you up somewhere else. So if you like VTAL games and you think a uh, theme about making cars is cool, I say check it out. So my number five, Kanban. No nobles. Yeah, it's a good game. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning, too, um, there's a hard Sandra version of the game. That's like a fish, an official variant of it. And I think that one's probably better yet because it's meaner. Um, and usually I'm not into games that like are like, do your best, see if you can score a positive point. Um, I'm looking at you, Stefan Feld, previous to <laughs> 2010. Yeah. Um, but that hard variant, I think, makes this game even better because it's like a real challenge. And then the other thing, too, that's worth mentioning about this game is that time element, like where you have a certain amount of time you're spending with your workers different places to try and like determine how much you can do there. You know, so like you get more actions if you spend more time in a certain area, which is kind of cool, I think, too. Um, and this game, it looks so like complex, huge, heavy and hard. And it, it's not easy. But like really, it's the graphic design of the game makes it seem that way because they tried to make it look like a factory. And if they just would have made boxes that had symbols on it and you just put your guy there and this symbol happens, then it would be super easy to pick up. Not super easy, but a lot easier for people to wrap their heads around. But the fact that the board looks as awesome as it does, I think it looks awesome. It looks like an actual factory with a boardroom and stuff in it. Um, Makes it a little harder for people to figure out 
maybe the first couple of rounds, but I think it's worth it because the, the board just makes it fun. Um, and I'm talking as much about Kanban as I am because it's my number five game as well. Nice. So number five was Kanban. Yeah, I, I've only played the mean version, actually. I've never played the nice Sander version. And the yeah. mean version is awesome. It just makes, you know, you have to make sure that you're doing better than somebody else. You have legitimate fear for a pink meeple. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah, she's horrible. She really is. Uh. Jason, out of the next, out of the, okay, we're not going to cross over on two of these. Uh, no, we're not going to cross over on, we might cross over on one of our last four, Jason. That's my guess. All right. So anyway, carry on. All right. So we'll see. We'll start. We'll go with my number four. My number four is a game that is about illusionists. Feels like you're playing the prestige. And it oh. is Trakirian. Yeah, I I know you have this game. Uh, it's on my shame pile. I haven't played it yet. Yeah. I'm I need to play it really badly. Dude, it's so good. And I'll tell you right now, if you're gonna play it, don't play the intro side without the dark alley because it's horrible. Just jump right into the back because that's the full game and it's the way to play. So essentially, what you're doing in this game is you're trying to uh, go out and learn ma- magic tricks, and you're gonna be putting these tricks on in the theater for the audience to score tons of points. There are different levels of tricks. They can't be unlocked until you hit certain point levels in the theater. Uh, you have to get resources to be able to make the tricks. Sometimes you have to trade in resources so you can have other resources come in. You run out of room on your tricks sometimes. You can hire assistants, engineers. Uh, there's one other kind of person that I can't remember, a stage manager. They can come next to you and they'll give you an extra worker that you can use to give you some kind of special power. This game is fantastic. It's super heavy. Well, not super heavy, but the more uh, of the expansion stuff that you play, if you had the little two-player deal, it'll give you like some special magic powers. And if you play with that, it gets really heavy, takes up a lot of room in the table. I love it. Number four, Trickerian. Yeah, this game looks awesome. I've learned the rules to it. I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. And that, like the interconnected circles thing is super cool. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, my number four, Jason... This is my best hope for a crossover. Um, and you may have already said this one. Um, it's a Martin Wallace game. My game looks really awesome, but it looks like someone spilt charcoal powder all over it, and it's very dark. Jason's copy looks looks very um, era-appropriate for the era that the board game was published. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> that's Brass, my number four. Um, and this is just the base Brass game. Um, I have the other Brass game with the ale and stuff in it, but again, it's in my shame pile. Um, I get a lot of games played in the summer because, yeah, I just during the school year it's tough. Um, but I don't know that the other brass is going to be better to me. It might be. I know a lot of people have said, "Oh, that extra like variety and choice that you get in there makes the game even better." Um, a lot of people who I trust have said that, so it might even go higher with uh, Birmingham. But Brass Lancashire is my number four. Um, just really love it. It's a cool game where you're building a network of of industry and then. It sounds stupid, but it really works out well. Halfway through the game, you decide, hey, let's clear off the board and start again. And then you play with like a brand new era of industry um, where you're playing canals and then you go to trains and it changes things where you can build things and how the rules kind of work. So the two phases actually do work out really well. The thing that's always interesting to me is that you feel like it's going to be two halves of a game, but like 
the rail era just seems, seems to fly by every time I play it. And you're like, oh, I want to do four more things and I can't. And that's why I lost. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Br- Brass, though, it's a great game. I didn't play it for a long time because I didn't think it looked awesome. It's just such a good game. It's a great Euro. And it's kind of got that good old school Euro feel to it. Um, good job, Marty Wallace. Yeah, this didn't actually make my list. I don't know why. Maybe it's just an oversight. But I do like London better. So London did make my list. But if I once I play Brass more, I mean, I played it like three or four times, but it'll probably make my list next time for sure. Blasphemy. Yeah, I know. I like it. I played it a lot. I even made Katie play it, and she begrudgingly liked it. All right. Well, good. <laughs> my number three is a game, I think you talked about it already on this list. Uh, let's see. Uh, yes. So my number three is the Italian designers again. And it is The Voyages of Marco Polo. There it is. Yep, there it is. Uh, this game is fantastic. It's a dice placement game. Nothing new there, really, except on this one, you can stack your dice on top of other dice. And if you go to a place where somebody is, you have to pay a tax based on what your lowest die is. So if there's a five there and you go there with a two, you got to pay an extra two tax. I think that's the rule. I haven't played it for a while. This sounds right. Um, and what you're doing, you're trying to move your guy around the map to set up these little villages and different towns so you can use these spaces with your dice as well. So the board just opens up the more you play. takes place over five rounds. So once again, not, you don't have enough time to do what you want to do. It's these Italian designers MO, and that's why I love it. So my number three, The Voyages of Marco Polo. We're all precious little snowflakes who feel special. And this game makes you feel special because you have a special game-breaking power. And you think that you have this awesome thing that like, is going to make you invincible and you're never going to be defeated because you are a precious, special snowflake with special powers until you realize everyone else has special <laughs> powers that make them special snowflakes too. Yep. So, I mean, like when you play with Marco Polo, you're like, how am I going to lose? I have an extra die. Like, how could I lose? I get to do extra, like... This is insane. And then you're playing with the guy. I don't even know which guy it is, but the guy who's like, hey, yeah, that's awesome. I like basically embezzle from the market. So anytime anyone buys anything, I get something too. That's awesome. And then the other guy's like, hey, I am really fertile. And whenever I go through a city, I leave my mark. I don't know what his deal is, but he gets to leave villages wherever he goes. I mean, like every one of them has such an insane power that it just, it feels like you're going to break the game by playing with that power and it balances out. Usually it's within a couple points of, of being a, around each other that you, you finish the game. So, yep. um, yeah, pretty good. This is one that I, there's an expansion that came out, and I've not heard anyone say, oh, the expansion's good yet. Like, I've heard most people say, eh, it's fine, and, like, it's actually pretty good without it. So um, I've not played with the expansion, and this still made my top ten. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I haven't. I have no desire to play the expansion, but the game's still amazing. I've not heard anyone say positive things about the expansion. So if you if you're somebody who likes the expansion, explain why it's good to us, I guess. But we haven't seen that yet. Yep. Um, Jason, I'm going to spoil your number one game with my number three. Sorry, bud. Um, number three for me is Scythe. I know it's your number one game, um, so I'll just be quiet because I'm lying. <laughs> it's definitely it's, I, it made your top 100 though, which is awesome. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, Scythe is you know a Euro game with some combat in it. Um, you're on a map, you're doing the spatial area control kind of thing, trying to get different resources based on the hexes you occupy, um, and using those resources, um, to build better stuff and make your actions better. 
And then you basically just do this action selection thing. You put your pawn on one of these spaces on your player board, and you get to do a series of actions based on it. And um, pretty neat game. Um, I actually have more stuff of this than I can play. Like at this point, like this is real high on my shame list because there's a really great expansion that came out last year that adds a ton of modules to it. And some people have compared the expansion for side that came out last year, rise of the Fenris. I think it's how you say it or, um, close enough. Right. Um, it, it, uh, it has a bunch of modules in it and it completes the game like Tuscany completed Viticulture is what I've heard people say. So I know there's a pacifist variant in there that I think might make the game more interesting to you, Jason. Yep. I need to figure that out before we play this game again. Um, I, it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to say this one's going to get played by like you and I at even the next couple board game meetups just because there's so much stuff we want to play. Um, and I know you're not super keen on this one, but I do like it quite a bit. And that scythe, um, just so much cool stuff in there that you could play so many different ways. And the art is pretty amazing. And I guess there's a video game. Well, there's a there's a video game of side itself that you can get now but i think there's an actual video game like action video game coming out in this universe now too which will be kind of cool so uh number three though scythe yeah with that pacifist track or you know the scoring piece i think this game might be higher on my list because that's the one piece that i hate so i definitely want to play it with that and see if i can change my mind yeah i mean if it made your top 50 i'd be impressed yeah me too actually all right so my number two it was my number one last year or the last time i did the list and it's my highest Vitalis Herta game, and it is the Gallerist. This game to me is, I've I've played all of Vitalis games except for CO2, and so far this is the game that I just want to keep coming back to. I like the theme. I feel like it's the most streamlined one of all of them to me, at least. It seems to make the most sense, and it's easiest for me to teach as well. So that's another reason why I really like it. So in this, you're trying to discover artists you're trying to get their paintings or their art on display in your museum you're selling them to the foreign market or to uh the patrons who come into your museum you're trying to go over to the um overseas to bid on some of these other things that you can do and sending your people off to glad hand the foreign diplomats it's a really fun game again normal vtel stuff you go to a place that unlocks 12 different things you can do, and I love it. So my number two, The Gallerist. Need to play it again. Liked it just fine. Um, number 52 for me. Uh, might be a little higher if I played it more. Um, I just, man, I don't remember a lot of the game. Like, I remember the big part, but then I know you get those little, like, uh, Neapolitan-flavored ice cream chips, and I don't remember exactly what those do. And uh, They move people and then- in and out of your gallery and all that stuff. There you go. That's what it is. But I just remember that it's definitely strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate colored. Um, and that 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 palette appears a lot. For a game about art, it sure does have a lot of pink and brown. <laughs> it really does. Well, pink and brown look good together, so I think that's maybe why. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> we don't have time to debate pink and brown. Um, You're- and no, it's a cool game for sure. Um it's almost as cool as some other Vita Lissera games that I really like. Um, it's still a good game, but it's not Lisboa, which is my number two game. And I mean, really, basically, I like Lisboa because you play a card, you draw a card. That's all you do in the game. And that's true. Um, and that's how Vidal described it. Um, but when you play a guard, it makes about 15 different things trigger, and you go through a whole chain of events, and you're trying to basically 
just balance a ton of stuff to try and be the most influential person working to rebuild Lisboa after a combination of an earthquake, tsunami, and fires wiped the city out. Um, this game really is a love letter to his city. Um, it's kind of cool because it has a bunch of fun facts on the cards. Not fun facts. Yeah, they really aren't fun at all. <laughs> um, but it has facts about the rebuilding of Lisboa. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it really does have facts about like how they rebuilt Lisboa and when the first you know merchants came back and things like that. So um, I really like this game a lot. Vidal, you're getting a lot of love from us. Um, I think that you're the highest designer on our joint list, period, bar none. I mean, like if you ranked it, because we both have, I think, three in our top ten. So... It's hard to beat that. Um, Lisboa is my number two, though. You've talked about it. I've talked about it. Uh, there's a lot of information out there about it. It's just a really cool game. It looks kind of bad, but it really is good um, once you play it. Like It just looks like it's going to be super ultra dry. And it does. it is kind of dry, but it feels kind of rich when you play it, too. So anyway, Lisboa, number two. Yeah, I think this was like my number 11 or 12 or something. So I agree. And it would probably be in my top 10 with the other three if um, I played it more. So that's why it's not all right my number one stay uh, tuned next year guys yeah uh, my number one it dethroned the gallerist oh and i love it and it is coimbra wow yeah i i don't know what it is about this game i i love it i i've played it so much every time i play it i have a great time I think it looks good for a Euro game. It has some cool mechanisms of the, the way you're using dice. And it has tracks. I'm a sucker for tracks. So in this game, you're drafting some dice. You're using the dice to get certain colors of cards. And the cost of that cards are the numbers of, on the pips, the pips on the die. You're also then going to use that die to move up on the corresponding colored track to earn income in a different phase of the game. You're trying to have the most points at the end of the game and building engines that are going to help you accomplish what you're setting out to do. It's a fantastic game. Again, it's the dis- Italian designers. They can come out, they can do no wrong in my eyes. So any game that they're coming out with, I'm going to be their front and center. And that being said, had I played Newton before I did this list, it would be pretty high on my list as well. So my number one, Coimbra. Amazing. Yeah. Newton didn't make my list either. Cause I was late to bring it to the table, but I'm, man, I like Newton a lot. Like it would probably be a top twenty game for me, um, honestly. Um, yeah, it's good. Good pick, Jason. I like, I like, I like that game quite a bit. Um, I need to play it more, um, but I do like it a fair amount. Um, all I know is I get a lot of guff for being a cult of the new guy. No further comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're number one. Uh, my number one is not a new game at all. <laughs> it's chess. I'm like, man, let's stick with the classics. Number one, chess. Love that game. Tons. Uh, um, people right now are, are like, is this dude pretentious enough to really put chess as his number one game? <laughs> it is not uh, chess. Let's go. Uh, you got a guess, Jason? You should know. Uh, I don't really know what you said. I forget. Um you haven't said i don't know i was gonna go with the great western trail but i think you've actually said there that. you go buddy. all right you nailed it yep. you got it great western trail my favorite game um it's jason's favorite children's game um <laughs> i think <laughs> yes it is i like this game a lot it's just really cool i just love that you're moving this guy through it's kind of worker placement kind of building a tableau 
kind of deck building, all done in just kind of interesting ways. Um, you're going to basically go through this old Western trail, um, maybe three, four times in the course of a game, honestly. And you're trying to build up an infrastructure that's going to make you better and more powerful, allow you to get better variety of cows, to sell them for more money, to get more points. And all the while, you're trying to get more people into your network of people to help you out, get better cowmen, get better conductors, um, and better whatever the other guy is. Um, just It's my number one game. I don't really need to know what the guy's called, right? Um, but it's just a fun game. Um, it had an expansion come out last year that adds to the game, and it's one of the best balanced expansions that I've ever seen added to a game. Um, and I say that just based on when I've played this game with the expansion now. Um, both times I played it with the expansion, um, one person was like, I'm just going to play vanilla Great Western Trail and not touch the expansion. And the other person was like, I'm going to do all expansion. And they were within like two points of each other at the end of the game. So um, just a really cool game. I love the art in it. I love just all the, the I don't know, it's just fun. It's a fun game. Um, and just, I don't know, I like that. You got to get a variety of cards in your hand, hand management kind of thing going on with it. Um, just so many different tops you got to keep spinning at one time. Um, and you can focus on one thing kind of heavily, but you can't ignore others. Just, I don't know, a lot of really cool activity in it. Um, and most people call this like a heavy Euro game, but Jason says it's squarely family weight. So, and you know what? I've come <laughs> around to more of Jason's thinking. Like, it's a medium heavy game, I would say. So, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, um, Great Western Trauma, number one. So, I guess we're done, man. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a long, strange journey, but we made it. What game's going to show up on your list that didn't make it this year? Uh, probably Newton. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe Sansouci, dude, I, and Gugong. The more I play Gugong, the better it is. But Sansouci is incredible. Like It would probably be in my top 50. That's how much I like that game. Wow. Yeah, and Brad. That's- Brad will probably make it, too. That's that's amazing. Um, I think Arkwright will make it next year. That's my prediction. I'm hoping to play it a couple times this summer, and I just know enough about it that I'm really gonna like it when I play the finally play the full version. Um, I didn't get it on the list because I only played like some of a spinning Jenny game before this list got put together, um, and I've I've played a little more of it since then. But I man, I love that game, and it just it has zero accessibility on the table like you have to schedule it in a calendar like weeks in advance to say hey prepare your mind get your diet right go to the gym get ready to play arc right with us <laughs> um and then i think i think i have indonesia and i have played food chain magnate and i it kind of fell flat but my taste in games has changed enough that i might enjoy it more now so those two splatters i'm thinking I might make it to the list next year um as far as stuff that i've bought this year that i really love already um, Blackout Hong Kong isn't going to make it, I don't think. I mean, it might be in the top 100, but not very high. It's a good game, but that stupid graphic design killed it. So, um, but you know what, Mr. Mr. Fister, you're still number one on my list with Great Western Trail. So anyway, um, yeah, that's about it, I guess. Yeah, I was just looking around my shelves. If I can ever play Agra, it might make the list too. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I played through like a two-player solo, and I loved it, but I need to play it with more people. That cash register you play with is kind of cool in that game. It really is cool. Yeah, it looks cool. I, I don't 
I don't know what it is, but it looks like an old timey cash register when I've seen pictures of yep. it. Uh, cool, man. Well, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Um, it was fun to do. And I have no idea what our show next week's going to be about. So <laughs> that's fun. I already told you, man. Top 100 Uwe Rosenberg games. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, hey, in other news, too, um, I've decided to take a one-week sabbatical. <laughs> so I'll be back in two weeks. I might be done talking about 100 Uwe games by then. <laughs> uh you know what my favorite Uve game is? Bonanza? Well, Duh. based on this list, Caverna. Um, but the game that I'm looking at right now that I'm like, oh, that game's good, and it didn't even make my list, Glass Road. That's what no one talks about. It's a pretty cool game, though. Oh, yeah. I would like to play that. It seems cool. All right. I'm going to shut up and say my name's Joel and keep gaming um, because you guys have had enough good times with us this week, and you'll have to come back next week for more. Yep. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.